Before I get into my message, I just want to talk to you just a little bit about this whole phase two introduction that the province of Alberta has uh, just rolled out. I had sent an email to everybody uh, talking about this. There are still a lot of restrictions in place for churches, for any place of worship, for that matter. And those restrictions are barriers that we have to, as churches, uh, figure out a way to uh, work with. So this is going to take a little bit of time for us. We're hoping not too long where we can begin to train our people and ready ourselves as we, well, sooner than later, get to join together once again and experience worship and experience each other in a way that we haven't for a while. We can meet together. So I'm so looking forward to that. In the email I sent out, I mentioned that we're going to have a town hall meeting. And that town hall meeting is, is all about an opportunity for you to ask questions about our return and what that's going to look like and feel. Uh, and I also put in a, a link to a survey that we have that, again, just helps us understand a little bit of where you're coming from when it comes to connecting with us once again. So I hope you uh, took the time to review those emails. If you did not receive the email, just email the office at office at victorylifechurch.ca. Just let us know that you would like to receive that email. Well, are you ready for the Word of God today? For the last couple of weeks, I talked about what I hope life in a post-virus world would look like, in that we would obey God uh, and his commands as found in scripture. So uh, the scripture text that we want to look at today is comes out of uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 to 31. And it says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which of the commands is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than this. There is no commandment greater than the commandment to love our neighbor, and to love God with all our heart. Friends, this scripture is a key scripture, uh, in particular in light of everything that's going on in the world around us right now. We need to have this scripture at the forefront of our minds. See, I had originally planned on talking, uh, on, on taking this message series in a in a certain direction. I had it all mapped out. But as I began... To put it all together, the Lord steered me in a direction that I had not previously planned, and He had touched, uh, uh, he, had, he, had, he had touched me with certain topics that I had not previously considered. And the key topic that the Lord has been directing me toward is is, is Christ's command to the church, really to the world, to love our neighbor. For the last couple of Sundays, I've endeavored to unpack this thought in a way that would help us truly get this vital message. And I hope it's been helpful 
And if you've missed it, then I encourage you to take a listen. Allow for the Spirit of God to minister to you as you do. You can find those on our website or you can find them on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook channel, What whatever your preference is. But today I'm sensing the Holy Spirit nudging me away again from my predetermined message plan uh, back toward the continuation of love of this love your neighbor theme. Can we pray? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone listening, God, that the words that I'm about to speak would make an impact in their lives, that as your word is unfolded, that they'll see it in a way that will produce change in their lives, in our lives, in all of our lives. Father, I thank you that you love your people and you love the world. And Father, I pray that we would catch uh, this whole understanding of your love for us and uh, who you are as the God of love. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> Two messages on the subject of love your neighbor is not enough to help turn the tide. But I must be willing to do my part. I recognize that. I must be willing to say more. And I must be willing to work hard at proclaiming it. For the health of our societal system depends on this message that I'm talking about. Love your neighbor. Any society where the majority of people elevate themselves over the good of others, is a society that will eat itself into oblivion. Right now, due to the senseless killing of George Floyd, we are seeing large pockets of society rising up and saying, enough is enough. This tragedy is highlighting the agony of a societal culture that has gone bad. It's sad, very sad, that it takes a death to wake us, but I'm glad that we're roused. Uh, it's opening our eyes, friends, to see that much work to curb hatred, violence, and systematic racism and bigotry is still very much needed in our societies. But our eyes are opening. We're beginning to see. We're beginning to look where we've needed to peek for a long time, and that is within. We needed to look within. And there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7 that talks about this, and it says this. It says in Matthew 3, Matthew 7 verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? It hurts a little bit, but it's good. You see, we're beginning to notice our logs. And I hope as we move into this post-virus world that we are willing to take a long, hard look into our own eyes and send our logs into the wood chipper. If you've ever worked with a wood chipper, they're a lot of fun. They're extremely dangerous, but they're fun. I don't know, but for me, there's something about watching branches and logs get pulverized into a thousand 
chips that is exhilarating. <laughs> and if we allow ourselves to go there, to do as Scripture says and deal with the logs in our own eyes, those areas in our lives that that don't line, live up or line up to Christ's command to love our neighbor, if we allow ourselves to go there, then our lives and the lives of those that we come in contact with will be that much better. Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to throw those dark areas of your life into the spiritual wood chipper? <laughs> I remember oh so well do I ever remember dealing with my own personal logs. It was a long, arduous process. I had hatred in my heart toward, I realized toward far too many people. And that anger that I had caused me to lash out violently. I'd fight all the time. If someone crossed me or looked at me at the wrong way or said something to me that even remotely ticked me off, that was it. Fists would fly. But I'm so grateful that God dealt with me about this and God healed me of it. I'm so, so grateful for that. Because just this week, check this out. I'm driving along the Hende. Those who don't know, that's our ring road around our city. And I hit a construction zone. So what do I do? Well, what we're supposed to do, I slow down through it. But the dude in the truck behind me <laughs> did not appreciate that at all. I mean, he got mad at me. In my rearview mirror, I could tell he was not happy. I won't describe the gestures or the words he was throwing out, but to say the least, the dude was freaking out. But I had no choice but to slow down. The cars in front of me were slowing down. The cars adjacent to me were slowing down. But this dude was having none of it. He actually, he veered onto the shoulder lane and motored directly beside me and was throwing out a lot of expletives. He, and he grabbed whatever he could Literally, he grabbed whatever he could out of his car and he chucked it at me. And he hit me in the face with what he, yeah, my, my window was rolled down and, and I could feel my blood boil, friends. And the old man uh, that I had talked about that God dealt with <laughs> was wanting to rise up. I could feel my blood boiling and getting extremely angry. And for a split second, I was wanting it to rise up and chase the boy down. But the Spirit of God got a hold of me. And he reminded me of what I'm preaching on. And the work of grace that he did in my life, he reminded me that I'm preaching about love your neighbor. He said, Scott, love your neighbor even when they do you harm or attempt to do you harm. So what did I do? I took a whole bunch of deep breaths. I had to collect myself while I'm driving. And the dude ended up uh, speeding along the shoulder. He found an opening 
four cars ahead of us and was gone. Um, and on top of that, I, I was wondering, what's that smell? Uh, the, he actually ended up throwing a bunch of pens and pencils at me, like those construction pencils, those big, thick construction pencils. He threw a bunch at me, and they reeked of pot. <laughs> it was like, what's that smell? They just reeked of pot. So, yeah, I, I, I am so glad I dealt with the logs in my eye and with the sin that kept pounding me down into regret and into shame and condemnation. I'm so glad that 37 years ago, I dealt with that. As I asked God to remove those logs from my eyes. And my prayer is I hope that during this time, the Lord has been working on your heart, revealing the logs present in your life, and that you'd be uh, willing to take that bold step, the brave step forward, and chuck those logs into the wood chipper. <laughs> if you've been doing that, throwing logs into the wood chipper, can you do me a favor and just mention that in the comment section? You know, yeah, over maybe even uh, over the course of this uh, isolation period, this COVID period, you've been the Lord's been revealing some things to you about logs in your own eyes, and you've been having to throw those into the wood chipper. Just jot a few of those down into the comment section, and watch as as freedom continues to rain down on you. That song we sang at the end, you know, rain down. Just watch that freedom begin to rain down in your life as you chuck those things into God's spiritual wood chipper. Uh, for the remaining of my time now, I'd like to look at another reason why we may struggle with loving our neighbor. And maybe, just maybe, it's because we haven't been able to understand or accept the love of God in our lives. Right? One of the reasons we can't love our neighbor possibly is because of the logs in our own eyes. And another quite could possibly be that we have not learned to understand or even accept the love of God in our own lives. See, it was the love of God that turned this wreck, that uh, turned this wreck of a man, a boy really, right side up. It was the love of God that reached out and wrapped itself around me and comforted me and gave me hope and gave me a vision for the future. And my hope, friends, is that you would begin to see that the love of God can do the same for you. You see, at the time when I was on the discovery uh, page of understanding the love of God, I was living solely for myself. And if that meant stepping over others or onto others to get there, that's what I did. But looking back, you know what that ended up bringing me? It brought me sleepless nights. It overwhelmed me with guilt. It overwhelmed me with shame over how I was treating people. There was condemnation. Yeah, really nothing good came out of it. But when I stumbled across the love of God, 
everything changed for me. My desire to hurt others left. My appetite for everything that was corrupted began to vanish. The love of God, it captured me and it changed me. Much like how my love captured Yvette. (laughs) From the moment she saw me, she fell head over heels for me. Her knees weakened. Uh, she was at a loss for words. Every time she came into my presence, her heart began to skip a few beats. And she was temporarily blinded by this knight standing before her. Yeah, she fell hard. <laughs> hey, at least that's how I remember it. I mean, she might tell you something completely different. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) And just how Yvette and I have experienced each other's love over the last 34 years, so must we, so must you and I experience God's love to truly understand it. Friends, God's love is something that we must experience. And I pray that we all will. See, if you've ever been in love, You know the feeling when you first discover that you actually do love them and that they love you. It it, it really is a memory hard to match and at times actually hard to describe. But you experience something that would change your world, right? Like, you know, her knees buckling, her heart, well, you get the drift, right? Friends, the love of God is much the same. You have to experience it to truly know what I'm talking about. And at the end of the service, if you've not experienced the love of God, I want to give you an opportunity to experience it for the very first time. And I guarantee you, it won't disappoint. See, when you first experienced the love of God, did it not change everything in your life? Did it not cause your knees to buckle in sheer awe of the fact that the God of the universe actually loved you so much that he gave his very best for you? And you ran on that love, did you not? His love actually fueled your tank that drove your life for miles. But as you know, in life, stuff happens, right? Life happens. Bumps end up showing up in the road. Uh, Barriers end up being erected. Uh, Mad drivers (laughs) attempt to pitch you into a battle. And your love can, if we're not careful, your love can begin to wane. Not necessarily your love for God, but your love for the people that he created, the people that he called us to reach. And check out what it says here in in 1 John. It says this in 1 John 4.21, This command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Friends, When our love for others sour, 
hope you catch this. When our love for others sour, so does our love for God begin to sour. Maybe just a little bit, but it begins to sour. doesn't disappear. It just sours. And the sad thing is, we often don't even notice it. This command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brothers. Friends, just like a relationship gone sour, so can our love for God. The weight of life, the complexities of relationships, the pain, the agony of a world gone mad, all can sour our love for God. Maybe it started souring because of the constant news circling around your head. The bad, the real bad, the ugly news, the hatred. You know, the news, the news that just spews can, if we're not careful, begin to paint over in black the wonderful masterpiece, which is God. And we can start to blame God for all the bad in the world. We ask things like, how could a loving God allow for such bad things to happen? And before we know it, our love for him begins to shift. But here's the thing, and I I hope you don't miss this, what I'm about to say. God is not to be blamed for the bad in the world. We are. God is not to be blamed for the bad in the world. We are. We choose to hate. We choose to hurt. We choose to go to war. Not God. Check out what it says in John uh, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world. God doesn't hate the world. God loves the world. And he goes on to say this, for God so loved the world that he gave. Friends, God so loved us that he gave. And you typically don't give something to someone you hate. You give to someone you love, right? And that is what God did. That is who God is. And it goes on to say this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Friends, this is who God is. He gave. Not only did God give His very self in the ultimate act of love, God, man, He just poured Himself out for us because He gave His very, very best. See, God is not the sower of the evil in the world. He's not. The devil is. And he tempts us into doing his bidding. Also, and this is super, super important. I hope you catch it. There have been whole doctrines created around the misguided and misinterpreted thought that God sows sickness into man to teach them a lesson. Yeah, there's been whole doctrines taught, misguided and misleading people of how God took away a child because he needed an angel in heaven. Or of how God brings poverty upon a person to teach them to appreciate what they have. Friends, this is anything but the truth. It is a misguided teaching. 
and misguided teachings such as these, they have helped to stoke the flame of distrust toward God. And when you begin to distrust God, your love will begin to sour. And one of my passions in ministry is to help dispel these types of myths. Of myths. So maybe, just maybe, the reason you haven't been able to love your neighbor is because you haven't been able to trust God. And when you can't trust God, you don't trust in the love of God. And when you don't, don't learn to fully love God, how can you fully love your neighbor? Does this make sense? Check out what it says in James. James chapter 1, verse 3, 13. It says this, Let no one say. I'll just stop there for a minute. This means don't let even the thought of what you're thinking escape from your lips. And I, I, I'm sure you've you've noticed, uh, uh, you know, this has been very prevalent in society like never before. Things escaping from our lips. People with loose thoughts are allowing those thoughts to escape from their lips and it causes them nothing but trouble. Are you noticing that? They're getting canned from their jobs. People are being pulled from their positions all because of loose lips. Friends, we've got to be careful about the things that we say. It, anyways, it goes on to say this. It goes on to say, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. In other words, let no one say God sent this sickness to teach me a lesson. Or this poverty God sent to help me understand the value of money. Or God robbed me of a loved one because God needed help in heaven. Let no one say this. But the problem is people are saying this. Churches are saying this. Ministers are saying this. And it's breaking down our ability to trust God. And when trust is broken, fractured love follows. Is this making sense? It goes on to say this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. Friends, God is never the source of evil. Nor is he the cause of temptation. This thinking only erodes. It eats away at our ability to trust him, which, by the way, is a key tactic of the devil to get us to a place where our love begins to grow cold, our love toward people and our love toward God. This same verse goes on to say this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God himself can be tempted cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person, I'm supposed to say person there, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. But each person, not Peron, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Pretty heavy-duty stuff, if you ask me. See, the evils in the world, it's not, they're not God's fault. It's ours. Because we've given into the devil's strategic battle plan. 
of fighting one another, of warring against one another, of not loving our neighbor. Friends, the only answer to a world gone mad is a life willing to trust in the love of God. However, I understand that it's hard to love if your understanding of God has been twisted. See, when I was dating Yvette, she had friends tell her that I was messed up and to avoid me. I also had friends basically telling me the same thing about her. We had strong feelings for each other, her more than me. (laughs) We sensed that uh, this could be it, that we're falling hard uh, for one another to the place of no return. But the words of our friends were kind of spoiling it for us a little bit. Friends, it's the same thing with the love of God. The words of others, the twisted doctrines of man, the natterings of the devil are trying to spoil it. Can I ask, what have you heard about God that has caused you not to trust in him? It has been said that out of our beliefs comes our actions. See, I believe I loved Yvette. And my actions began to prove it out. And the same goes with our faith. You can watch what you believe. You have to watch what you believe about God for our actions will begin to display it. And I want us to believe the truth about God, a truth that only can be can be discovered in the word of God. This is why you must discover the Bible for yourselves, my friends. And when we begin to believe the truth It will begin to set us free and set the actions of our life in the right direction. And the more people that do this, the better our world will be. Because here's the thing. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 4.8. It says this. God is love. (laughs) This, friends, is who God is. It's not some flaky form of love. This is the highest form of love. The ancient Greeks actually described love in eight different ways. Um, They described, they had eight different words, if you may, for love. One of uh, those words uh, was called storge. It was a love that we would have for our family. Another uh, they called phila. And that was love that we would have for dear friends. Another was eros. This was a love that we'd have. Uh, it was a romantic love. Uh, and then uh, another was... Where is it here? They had a total of eight altogether. But then they also had this word called agape. And it was a love for everyone. But the Bible took that word agape and it took it a step further in describing agape as the God kind of love. An unconditional love. We can learn so much from these these words. I'm going to try to get out of this. There we go. My prayer is that may you and I really begin to experience this unconditional love, this agape love, this 
God kind of love, a love that loves everyone. For God so loved the world that we read earlier, that we would experience this in a fresh way. May we correct our misunderstandings of God. May we repent of not taking the log out of our eyes. May we learn to allow for the love of God to saturate us afresh and help us to love our neighbors like we've never loved them before. Friends, will you do that? At the at the end of the service, Pastor Yvette and I are going to come back and we're going to lead you in a prayer to do this. For those of you that your love for God has grown cold, your love for others have grown cold, You've had logs in your eyes and we want to pray with you and, and, and witness a release of God in your life. We're, we're, we're entering into phase two where things are opening up. We're, we're getting out there. Uh, very soon the church will reopen and, and I'd love to see a church reopen where we are so in love with God and so in love with one another that we're willing to do whatever it takes to ensure that love continues to be built and strengthened. Will you do that? I mentioned earlier that if you've never allowed for the love of God to transform your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that right now, for you to experience the love of God in a way that will transform your life, friends. That is by giving your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Up on the screen, you'll notice there's a prayer. And I want to lead you in this prayer. Will you repeat this prayer after me? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that you are now a member of God's household. You are now a child of God. And there's a email address on the screen. I hope you take time to email the office. Let us know the decision that you made. And uh, we want to help you the best we can to help you understand that decision. Well, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving me a few moments of your time here this morning. Okay, God bless. Thank you very much. We love you. We'd like to close by praying for you guys. Um, we'd like to pray for two specific things. So if you're ready yourself for this, the first will be, we want to pray for those that have really struggled with that log in the eye that I was referencing out of Matthew 7. Uh, and then we want to pray for those that have been struggling with their understanding of the love of God. Uh, you've, for some reason, not been able to trust God. So we want to close by praying for those two things. Let's start by praying for uh, those that have, you know, just struggled with that whole concept of the log in your eye. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Father, I just want to thank you that um, that you see us, and that's because you have absolutely no obstruction. You see us, and sometimes we think we see fully, but really there's a log in the way. You know, that's such a picture of a log in your eye. Of course, that's not even physically doable, but it's really to explain how we can be so blinded sometimes that it's tripping us up. So, Father, I pray that, uh, including myself, there's been times where maybe I thought I was right and there was no other angle to this, and really there was a log in the way. And, Lord, we don't want to be so proud that we're unable to accept that perhaps we need to pause and seek you first and really say, God, you know, show me before we start nitpicking at others or trying to just remove a little speck in the way. Father, help us to have a vision that is clear, that is unobstructed. And we know that there are things that become these logs, you know, pride and arrogance and jealousy and uh, fits of rage and arguments. And, you know, it just blocks out your vision. We don't want our vision to be blocked. We want to walk in peace. We want to walk in wisdom. We want to walk in maturity. Uh, so, Lord, we're asking, and we just ask forgiveness, first of all, uh, to cleanse us and clear us from that. And next, Father God, as our vision is being polished, I thank you, Father God, that as we are able to see clearly, that it does cause us to be more humble and a little bit more understanding. And uh, thank you, Father God, that you care to clear that up for us uh, as we submit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Yes, and Father, for those that have been really struggling with the love of God, maybe your trust in God somehow diminished along the way. Maybe you believed some of those lies that I talked about. Maybe you believed that God was the one who uh, caused that sickness in your body or the sickness in a loved one. <clears throat> or maybe you believe that God took uh, one of your loved ones from you because he needed an angel in heaven or something. I, I, and, and that has caused you to distrust God. And when you distrust your love wanes. So Father, I pray that, uh, God, that they would experience your love in a fresh way, that they would see as they read your word, as they understand you, that they would see that you love, period, that you're a God of love, period. Uh, no other explanation needs to be made. You're, God, you're the God of love and you love so much that you gave your very best for us. I pray that people would be able to see you as that God of love for who you are in their lives and that it will transform their world. It will transform their lives. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray peace upon every person that listened today. I pray, God, that they would uh, leave uh, this message feeling a sense of encouragement, of strength, of an understanding of, of who God is better, and that they're a willingness to love their neighbor like they've never loved their neighbor before. And I give you praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, that reminded me of that song that we do sometimes, The Good, Good Father. Hmm. You know, it's, um, it, it all, I love that song because it reminds us that he's truly a good, good father. And, uh, you know, I, it, it hurts me when I hear that people have a different image of our, our living, loving God, you know. Mm -hmm. So we just pray today that you remember that he's a good, good father. Indeed. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.